Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Half the Distance to the Goal presented by 910 Coastal Barbecue. I'm your host, Marcus Bullock. With me, as always, my co-host, Brett Galt. What's going on, my man? Not much, man. Ready to break down the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. I hope if you uh, listen to the the previous broadcast, you did not follow my uh, directions. So, Because my bracket is shot. Let's actually talk to each other about our brackets. I'm guessing we all did the ESPN app. Um, and of course, before we jump into it, we got uh, Mr. 7-0, and Wilson Collins, who was with us last week. He is uh, back to uh, talk about the crazy-ass tournament so far. What's going on, Willie? Hey, man, I'm, I'm glad to be back. I'm Mr. Mr. 2-5 and five now after those seven games I dropped last week. So I don't know if I can keep that title, Mr. 7-0, and but I'm, I'm happy to be back and talking some basketball. Awesome tournament so far. Yeah, no, I think that I think, and I was telling Brett, this has been my favorite tournament in like most recent years from what I can remember. Just how crazy everything is. You know, St. Peter's are giving us that Cinderella. And luckily for me, a bunch of the overrated teams that I called out, you know, kind of have already kicked the can, like Auburn. You know, like my idea, that was fantastic, and we're gonna get into that. But that what are your overall, yeah, what are your overall thoughts so far of what we've seen uh, the first weekend? Go ahead, Wilson. Uh, overall thoughts. Um, the, so this is our first tournament. I think, if I'm not wrong, with the transfer portal in effect, and there's also some some other new stuff going on there's kind of a new era of college basketball coaches here with the like ex-nba coaches with like hubert davis at unc penny at memphis uh and juan howard at michigan who are all crushing in the tournament i mean i know memphis got eliminated but they played gonzaga really tough and you know gonzaga's a really good team that game came down to the wire so i, I think we're kind of on the cusp of like a sort of a new era. I mean, it's, it's always going to be awesome college basketball, but we're kind of like seeing some change in the structure of college basketball. Um, there's four first year coaches in the sweet 16, like first year is in first year with the school, not first year as a head coach. Um, and that's Hubert Davis, uh, Lloyd at Zona, Mark Adams at Texas tech and Austin, whatever, Austin Berger at Iowa state dark horse. So, I mean, there was just a lot to unpack here. But it's it's just been awesome basketball so far. I agree. I completely agree. I think I think we had a feeling going into this year that was just going to be crazy madness because, like we talked about, there's not there's not those teams that are above and beyond everybody else like there was last year with Baylor and Gonzaga. So I mean, it's just been. I mean, even some of the closer games like. I mean, honestly, almost every game has been good. I mean, there's been some blowouts, which you're usually going to get, but this bracket can honestly be even more teared up, honestly, if like if Memphis didn't get in foul trouble against Gonzaga. I think they would have probably pulled that game out. Duke struggled with Creighton. If Creighton's big guy, big guy didn't get hurt in the first round, they probably could have pulled that one out. So, I mean, there was a ton of upsets already, but there definitely could have been a lot more. But, yeah, just great basketball all around. I can't wait for the Sweet 16. Cool. Yeah, we, so we're all on the same page. And um, so I know uh, me and Wilson, we're in the same ESPN bracket. And Brett, we'll, we'll get to yours later. I'm guessing you did ESPN for yours. So when I when I look at the bracket, Wilson's actually number two um, out of like the whole pool. And there are maybe like north of like 50 teams that we're all competing against. So Wilson is in sole second place. 
The funny thing is um, his total points right now are 460, but his max is at 1300, which is really, really low. Um, I think I'm sitting in a pretty good spot. So my total points are 400, but my max is 1600. So first place max is 1720. I believe a guy in third has 1640, but I'm tied for fourth max with 1600 left. So, you know, I'm, I'm still in the money, Wilson, sorry to say, but you're, you're pretty much out of contention at this point. But talk, talk, to us, talk to us about your final four, what they did the first weekend. All right. All right. So I unfortunately had Kentucky. We all know how that went in my final four. And also I had Iowa in my final four. So I had two hard swings and misses there which wiped out day one, like, brackage. In a 50-man group, like, you imagine this bracket shot. However, however, I have fought back with the first and second round matchups. I had, I correctly predicted North Carolina and Miami in the Sweet 16, two pretty big upsets that I don't think anybody had, or not everybody had, at least. So, yeah, like you said, I'm chilling in second place now. But you're probably right. I'm probably on the way out of second place in the long run. Unless Zona pulls it out and wins it all, in which case I do have a shot. That's pretty much my health, Mary. Um, and I would probably need, like, some upsets, too, you know. But, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Brett, how's your bracket looking? Yeah, we're, we're – I mean, I'm, I've had a rough year. Honestly, my only pick upset that I've actually, like, gotten right now is Carolina over Baylor, which I kind of – I called on – I kind of hinted at that in the podcast. Same exact way as Wilson, though. I also had Kentucky and Iowa in my final four. Ouch. And so, yeah. So, I, I really – I was shocked by the Iowa thing, to be honest. I mean, they were playing good ball. I mean, they were shooting lights out. Kentucky, I did worry a little bit about them just because of their outside shooting. The They hadn't been shooting the three well. But I, I thought there was no – I thought at least they get to the Sweet 16. So, yeah. so I'm hurting. Yeah, um, I, I'm definitely with you on that Iowa sentiment. So for my bracket and how I have so many points available, I, all my Final Four teams, you know, were still alive. Uh, my Final Four matchups were Gonzaga, UCLA. A little nervous about UCLA uh, going against Chapel Hill because I think Chapel Hill's the hottest team in the tournament right now. We'll get to that in a couple moments. And then I have Arizona, Kansas. So, you know, if, if that can get me there, if, if they can hang tight this weekend, I'm in a pretty good spot to, uh, like I said, in the – Previous episode, take Wilson's money. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into the bracket. So a start in the West, as we did last week, you know, Gonzaga, scary first half against Georgia State. They came out, put the pedal to the metal. Memphis, it was a little bit of scare there. I'm not really high on Gonzaga going into this Arkansas matchup. Uh, what do you guys think about the Bulldogs? So um, this is Gonzaga's seventh straight. Sweet 16, um, pretty damn impressive. This, I think this game, uh, it, it could get out of hand very quickly for Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas kind of struggled with New Mexico State's bigs, and we all know Gonzaga has better bigs than New Mexico State. Um, Arkansas does not shoot the three very well. They rely on slashing and mid-range jump shots for their, for their scoring, and you know, Chet Holmgren is obviously like seven foot eight. He's huge. He's not seven foot eight, but he's huge. Mm -hmm. So the way Arkansas stays in this game, I don't know that they win this game, but the way they stay in this game, although in my practice, I have them winning this game, which I severely regret. But uh, the way they, the way they stay in this game is that 
if Note starts playing some ball and if their if their wings can start going at Chet Holmgren early, maybe get him in foul trouble, get to the free throw line. Uh, that's their best bet because and Gonzaga's had kind of weak guard play, not like weak, but not great. So yeah, it'll be a tough game for Arkansas. It's a tough matchup. Yeah, I completely agree with everything he's just said. Um, I think the high matchup is very concerning for Arkansas, especially if Williams gets some foul trouble underneath. He's basically, I mean, he's really all they got for the most part underneath. And like I said, Memphis got in foul trouble. All their bigs basically got in foul trouble. And so that's kind of what killed them to the end. And I mean, it's, I don't, I, the crazy thing about Gonzaga is Timmy, which I'm not really a big Timmy guy at all. Um, but his footwork, and I mean, he's not even that big of a guy, big, tall of a guy, but his footwork is just incredible where he just knows how to maneuver and put it up. So I'm with Wilson. I think this honestly has the potential to get out of hand pretty quickly if Arkansas is not shooting well. All right. So um, would you guys and Lean Gonzaga covering the nine points here or too scary um, showing their body of work? I'd take them to cover. I think um... – I don't know. That's tough. I, I don't really have a good say on this, but I, I think nine is pretty accurate. Like I think Gonzaga wins this, pulls away at the end, whatever. Maybe they win by 20, but maybe they pull away in the last minute or a couple minutes. Cool. Right on. So maybe, maybe a good stay away game. Um, so below that in the first round, you know, New Mexico State upset UConn, which I don't think a lot of people had that. And I knew a couple of people that were pretty big on Vermont um, over Arkansas from who I was talking to in my personal friend group. But, you know, Arkansas got it done. UCon- UConn going down. Um, I mean, is anyone really surprised about the UConn game? I was a little bit. I mean, they were playing good ball, too, but. I mean, yeah, I was a little surprised. I didn't pick that, so I thought the Big East was playing good ball, but I guess not. Yeah, I, I also – so I kind of thought the Big East was, like, overrated going into this tournament, and now I feel like I'm kind of eating my words a little bit, um, even though there's only two of them left, but Providence has looked great. And, I mean, Villanova is looking really good, too. Yeah, um, but – but yeah, that was a tough loss. To UConn. That was, I guess, the situation when I was right about the Big East not looking good as UConn going down early. I don't know. That's just a five twelve upset. You know, those things happen. Yep, it happens. All right. So, uh, and one thing that I, I'm going to go ahead and jump on now the um, the SEC banter this year was a little ridiculous. Um, and like I said to a bunch of people, every every ACC hater or non ACC fan has been waiting probably their whole lives, if not the last like 50 years to say that the ACC isn't the best basketball conference. So this year, of course, Mm -hmm. down year for the ACC. At one point when people were saying only Duke's going to get in, the ACC is only going to get one team. Like you guys are idiots. You're ridiculous. And maybe like three teams still way too low. Like this is just going to show that, you know, what, what do you measure yourself on for the, for the basketball season? It's the tournament. Now, how many teams does the SEC have left? One, Arkansas. Like Bama looked terrible against Notre Dame, and we're, we're gonna we're gonna keep getting into the SEC banter. But for all you like pro SEC, like anti ACC people, saying that we were the worst ever, that the the Pac twelve was better than us, it, you're idiots. Shut up. I think this, Marcus. Hell yeah, I love that. The same thing can be said for the or uh, Big Ten every single year too, because they always choke as well. I mean, Illinois 
high hopes. They lost. Iowa gets bounced the first round. Michigan State loses. I mean, it's like every year. I feel like for the just the same exact thing. Yeah, I got a great, um, a great uh, Bruce Pearl quote for you. He said after that game when they were asked about the their the SEC struggles, he said the SEC faced it, too much of a gauntlet in the regular season, and they were worn out by the time the NCAA tournament. It was something along those lines, and that is ridiculous. And that is the biggest excuse I've ever heard. If you play a better regular season schedule, then you're more prepared for the tournament. History has shown that forever. SEC's trash. They're, this is a terrible year, and they got exposed. And all those ACC haters, like, you're totally right, Marcus. They got called out. Wake Forest got gypped getting into this tournament. Yep. If, you tell, if you tell everybody that all these ACC – there's three ACC teams in the Sweet 16 leading any other conference, and then you tell them that the third best school – I'm pretty sure Wake Forest had the third best record in the ACC – is not going to get in. Maybe the fourth. Could be wrong. That's that's insane. Big Ten had nine teams. They have two left. Nine teams. They had yep. nine bids. Insane. If anything, you know, you talk about what we've learned this tournament. We've kind of learned that all that conference speculation, it's it's not worth that much. You know, you can you can speculate on, but at the end of the day, the ACC is where it's at. Yeah, you know what happens? The big boys come to play. And going back to your Bruce Pearl quote, that's the dumbest shit I've ever seen. It's so anti-football which is what they hang their hat on. That's like saying the SEC plays so good on a regular season, they should never win a national championship. But what do they mm-hmm. usually do with football? Win a national championship. He's mm-hmm. an idiot. I'm not a big Bruce Pearl guy. Well, let me tell you out another fun SEC stat I compiled. This one's for, for uh, Tennessee Trevor. Rick <laughs> Barnes at Tennessee, his NCAA tournament record, 25 and 25, which is, you know, not very, not very good. Though a lot of the, if you're going to the tournament that many times, you know, you're probably going to have a little bit better record than 25 and 25. Jesus. Yeah. The, the SEC isn't even worth our time anymore. Like, bye. Goodbye, guys. Anyway, so let, let's keep chugging along. Um, so, yeah, Notre Dame takes care of uh, the cousins down there in Alabama. Texas Tech, Rouse, Montana State. Um, Michigan State, Davidson. Michigan State, the way they looked against Davidson, I thought Duke was going to steamroll them. That was actually a Final Four S game with Coach K and the and the Blue Devils coming out on top. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk to me about that game in which you guys thought about Duke Michigan State because out of any game over the weekend, that might have been my favorite. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Duke. I think it was a big game for Duke. Honestly, I think they needed confidence moving forward here. And I think this matchup, it's a, this matchup against Texas Tech is an interesting one because Texas Tech is a team that plays good defense. They're one of the top defensive teams in the nation, but they don't do a great job of scoring the ball. Um, so I, I think this is an interesting game. I think Bancaro on Duke and guard play with Keels, I think is going to be the difference here. But I think it's going to be a really good matchup. It might be pretty low scoring, though, because Duke doesn't exactly shoot it great either. Yeah, I was impressed by both Michigan State and Duke, kind of following what you said about the Final Four-esque matchup. Um, you know, at the end of that game, I was like, damn, Duke's playing some good ball right now, and it pains me to say that, being a diehard UNC fan. But looking back into that game, it 
it's it's possible that they weren't quite playing as well as it appeared. They weren't their efficiency metrics weren't off the chart. They had some turnovers. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll get into this Duke Texas Tech game in a minute. I'm sure. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and jump into it. So Duke's a one point underdog. The game's in like uh, San Francisco, I believe, at about it'll. Tip says 9.39. It'll probably be more like 10 o'clock on the East Coast. Um, my question for both of you guys, coaching's going to come into play here. Coach K, he has the edge, correct? So, I mean, Duke plus one with Coach K's coaching experience, I'm kind of shocked to see that they're an underdog here, not a one-point favorite. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised looking at that line and not seeing Duke a couple points favorite in that game. Um, so. Texas Tech obviously plays killer defense. They control the pace. So I think pretty much what's going to happen here, and, and Texas Tech takes care of the ball, you know. So pretty much what happens here is we're going to need to see Ben Caro. For Duke to, like, win this game handily or to, to really control this game, we're, we're going to need to see Ben Caro taking it to the rim, uh, getting inside, not settling for jump shots. Because Texas Tech can play with Duke all day in the half court. And they can play with all, Duke all day, guarding the three, you know, shooting, going back and forth. So I think it's going to really come down to can Ben Caro take this game over in the half court. Um, you know Duke's going to want to get in transition. And if they're able to do that, of course, that'll influence it. But it's, it's a lot easier for the slower-paced team to control the flow of the game than the faster-paced team. Um, I don't know. I don't know who's going to win this game, to be honest. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Kind of leaning Texas Tech. Yep, I agree. I think it's a toss-up, honestly. I the line is a little surprising, I guess, but I mean Duke's young. Um, Texas Tech has more experienced players, though most of them are from the transfer portal, so they really haven't been in this position. But yeah, this is gonna be a good game. I mean, this might be one of the top games, honestly, in the whole weekend or Thursday, or Friday, whichever day they play. Well, it's Thursday, yeah. So go ahead and take a nap. Uh posted dinner and, and rest up for it. You know, Jeremy Roach really impressed me um, out of anyone in that game. He, he has some daggers. I think he hit the dagger um, in my yep. opinion, or in my opinion to still the win and give Duke that lead late. Um, but yeah, no, Duke looked really good. Ben Kara was like going to the basket at will. Wendell Moore, dude, he he's playing like out of his mind. And out of anyone who's, you know, stayed in college a couple of years, which is not rare anymore and to be somewhat of a superstar, like Armando Baycott has really impressed me from a Chapel Hill or Chapel Hill perspective. But uh, Wendell Moore, dude, he's gotten a lot better um, the time he's been at Duke. And he's really a complete player. And I think, I mean, he you possibly could have said potential wise he would have been a stretch lottery pick if he would have came out a year ago. Um, but this year, I think he definitely moved himself into the lottery conversation because he looks really damn good at just about everything he does as a complete basketball player, in my opinion. I agree. All yeah, right, well, one day there's a baller for sure. Yeah, I like him a lot. So uh, let's head on to the East region. Um, so we're just going to group these teams in four. Baylor, Norfolk State, we know what happened there. Blowout. North Carolina dominated Marquette. Um, Wilson, give me a breakdown of that game and what you thought about the Tar Heels in their first-round matchup. Well, I was nervous um, going into that game, but I guess I shouldn't have been. Just, like, everything was clicking. Uh, we the, the right North Carolina defense showed up. That's huge. Um, you know Leaky Black showing up for defense. You know – Baycott's going to do his thing. He's, he's a good defender. I don't know if he's like an amazing defender, but he's good. 
And then we had the guard play defense. Caleb Love was really strapping down that game. And then the offense was there. Caleb Love was hitting six threes, I think. If he's on, there was some crazy stat when he scores over like 12 or 13 points. We were like 11 and one or something like that. So, you know, if he shows up to play, you know, you've got Manic consistently showing up and Baycock consistently showing up. It was just uh, it was just a perfect storm for UNC. Um, I really don't have any deeper insights as to why we really beat them so bad. I mean, you could tell they kind of lost their composure early. I think they had three technicals in the first half. And I'll say at least two of which were justified. I don't know about the hanging on the rim one, but I mean, you hate to see that in basketball. But yeah, yeah, we, we were just coming out firing on all cylinders. All right, so uh, Brett, take us to the Chapel Hill Baylor game. Uh, did you get eyes on that one? Did I watch it? Yeah. Oh yeah, I was watching the whole thing. I mean, great game. They were up what twenty five at one point. I was like, man, this is this is just a drubbing right here. And then then we know what happens. <laughs> man, it caught a little elbow um, to the defender and uh, what so hand right. Yeah, so hand. Yeah, so hand. He goes flying down, and then everything just unravels from there on out. And I'll be honest, when they came back from that twenty-five point deficit and took it to overtime, I think probably ninety-nine percent of people watching the game were like, "Hey, there's there's no way." And Wilson, don't lie to me. You knew that you did not think you were going to win that game in overtime. Oh well, I mean. I, I didn't. I don't necessarily want to say that I thought we were going to lose. I definitely wasn't like, oh yeah, we're going to overtime. We're going to win this in overtime, you know. But yeah, I was just still like, just incredulous <laughs> to what I had just witnessed. I mean, that was unreal. Yeah, that was I mean, unreal. The officiating I mean, was terrible. North Carolina's play was terrible. Uh, whew, don't get me started on this game, man. I Marcus, what should have been a flagrant one or flagrant two? Um, the refs made the wrong call. It wasn't intentional. I don't. I don't think you could call it an eject manic when it was clearly unintentional. And I thought the refs that whole game were pretty bad. It was that was the most physical game I saw all weekend. <laughs> it, was it was so physical. There's been a lot of games where the refs have not been good. I mean, I saw- there. Yeah, I saw a stat. I think there were like 50-plus fouls called in that game. 50 in a college basketball game? That's unheard of. So so from, from Manic's ejection, which happened at with 10 minutes and some change left in the game, to the point in which there were two minutes and like 30-some seconds in the game, which at that point UNC's up by six or eight, and that's around the time that Baylor's going to start, you know, intentionally fouling. That stretch of time, that eight minutes, there were 11 straight fouls called on Carolina. And I'm not trying to say that not all of them or no, that they weren't fouls, but that is ridiculous. 11 straight fouls. And the entire time, Baylor was in the full court press. And you can't tell me those guys weren't roughing up our guys trying to inbound the ball. It was crazy. Baylor, I, I'm, not, I'm not coming at Baylor for being aggressive and pressing. Like they, they had a great game plan for those last 10 minutes, but holy crap. There were an insane amount of fouls called on Carolina. And then the last two minutes and 30 seconds, I think there were another like 10 fouls between both teams. It was just too much officiating. Get it out of college basketball. Yeah. The, uh, the, 
the stretch where you said Carolina got like 11 straight foul calls, it, it, it was wild. It, it was absolutely nuts. It was wild. And they were pressing the hell out of us. They were all over, all up in our grill on the Zim downs and like no foul. Yeah. Sorry. I'll, I'll get and off that. And funny thing about like the refs, the if you ref a tournament game, you get evaluated. And if you do good, you go on to like ref the later rounds. Those three refs are done. Like it's out. Their their season's over. They're they're with Baylor on the couch. Yeah. The good news is Manic should be well rested for this game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, he should be. <laughs> yeah, so that's official. He is playing against UCLA. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so let, let's go ahead and keep going along. So St. Mary's handled Indiana. Um, UCLA kind of close against Akron, but I think the better team won then. And then UCLA worked St. Mary's. So UCLA obviously have a big injury on their team. Um, UCLA is one of my final four teams. I am kind of nervous against them playing Chapel Hill, but I mean – I kind of feel like UCLA is going to pull it out, but I'm expecting Wilson to talk me out of it right here. Why is Chapel Hill going to beat UCLA? Well, um, UNC Moneyline is one of my bets. I can't say that I'm overly confident about it. What I will say to, besides me being a Carolina fan, is that UCLA, they play awesome defense. They struggle to keep up with offensive firepower. They went one and two versus Zona this year. They lost to Gonzaga, but all great offensive teams. Um, not, I mean, obviously UNC is not quite on the level of Zona and Gonzaga, but the way they're playing ball right now, I think it's fair to put their offense at least in that ballpark. So the way UNC wins this is they come out there and they just are killing shots, like hitting everything, Mannix on. So last, last game, we had an off game for Caleb Love. And we still looked great in the first half. So what happens if we have an on game for Caleb Love? Then it's like a Marquette type situation where our offense is really on fire. So that's the first thing. They can win if Caleb Love's off. But if he's on, it's like we're feeling pretty good. Additionally, the type of defense that this UNC team is playing has been stepped up in the last 10 games, uh, except for the one pit game that we're not going to talk about. So – I'm pretty optimistic. Um, I think we hold, I think our defense uh, is going to hold them to a respectable number. And I think as long as our offense shows up and takes care of business, I think, uh, I really think UNC ought to be favored here, but you know, I don't know anything at the end of the day. So we'll see. Yeah. So looking at a two and a half point uh, favor for UCLA, Jamie Jacquez is out with the injury. Uh, Brad, is he out? Yeah. Is he- I think he's out. He's out? Are you sure? Is out? Tommy Hawkins is out? I don't yeah. think he's out yet, man. I don't know. That, that'd be a huge development. I, I, thought that, be... I thought I heard that his ankle wasn't going to be ready, but mm, it is March. Crazier things have happened. I, I just think they match up well against – I mean, just like they matched up well against Baylor, I think they match up perfect against UCLA as well. UCLA isn't really big underneath either. Yep. Um. I think the guard play honestly favors UNC. Tiger Campbell is really all UCLA has. John Juzang has been playing well lately. So back. I mean, if yeah. he's been he's been shutting people down and I mean, honestly, UNC is the hottest team right now in the tournament, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. the way they're shooting the ball right now. So 
This is kind of a trap, honestly, because every it, it seems trap. like it seems like it should be a UNC blowout. UCLA has been here before. They were just here last year, so they got the experience. Yep. I honestly didn't. I had them losing St. Mary's. So. I think it'll be a trap game. Yeah, it should be a good game though. Yeah, and that game is Friday at 9.39 East Coast, probably looking more like a 10 o'clock tip-off. So um, that's definitely something that we're going to be looking at, um, especially in ACC country. So um, as I gave the ACC their flowers earlier, I will also call them out for when they blow it. Virginia Tech did not look very good against uh, Texas. Um, they, they, they just could never really close the gap and get it going, so uh, they folded in the first round. Um, and then Texas – uh, lost to Purdue the next round. Uh, Purdue looked really good against Yale, and, you know, they handled Texas fairly well. So Purdue's going to advance to the Sweet 16, and they're taking on the Peacocks of St. Peter's. Is um To both of you, whoever wants to take it, is, is St. Peter's time up right now? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's got to be. Opinion, I, I think the biggest thing here is I don't know how they're going to be able to stop Zach Edia. That giddy underneath. I think they don't have anybody to stop him underneath. I mean, dude's like seven foot four or something like that. He's massive. St. Peter's doesn't have anybody to match that height. But honestly, St. Peter's just watching them, they run one of the better offenses in this whole tournament, honestly. And uh Eddard, whatever his name is, the uh fire shooter. I mean, he's fun mm-hmm. to watch too. Oh, is he is he the token white kid? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's awesome. <laughs> Single white dude on their team with the stash. Yeah, yeah, the little terrible stash, by the way. I mean, that thing is not good at all. But I saw some I mean, funny like memes. It's like you know this kid is nice, and it's like yeah. going over the whole roster, and then it's like him with the stash. It's like you know he's wrong. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, even to piggyback off of that, I was listening to a podcast today, and they said. You know, some people were asking them if St. Peter's was an HBCU because you look at their whole roster <laughs> and it's all one color. Then you got the one white kid on the team. He's, he said it looks like St. Peter should have a step team at their basketball game. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. But, yeah, St. Peter's has been a great story. Um, and going back to the first pod, I kind of called Kentucky's number – um, I, I didn't think it would be against St. Peter's, but I said they were losing to San Fran and Murray State, but they didn't even get the luxury to do that. Those damn SEC bumps. <laughs> damn Kentucky's so bad. Dude, them and Auburn, I called that shit. <laughs> yeah, man. man. I had Auburn and Auburn L2 to Miami. Yeah. Miami matched up great against Auburn, but yeah. That, that Auburn one, I mean, Auburn going into the tournament wasn't playing well either. So, I mean, they were uh, they were overrated. Maybe All right, overrated. we're – so uh, we'll get to them, but all right. So it looks like all three of us are pretty certain Purdue's going to beat St. Peter's. It's a 12 point, 12 and a half point spread Purdue's way. They're the favorite. Real quick though, um, I do, I do like Purdue, obviously. I do. If, if I had to bet it, I'd probably take them to cover, but that game is in Philly. And you know, the whole Northeast is going to be getting wild for St. Pete. Like, that's, that's one of the greatest tournament stories. I mean, there's been three 15 seeds ever to make the, the Sweet 16, ever. Has one ever made last year, Ernold Roberts. Nobody's ever made it to the Elite Eight, right? I, or did oh, I do not think so. I don't think so. It would be a first, yeah. 
But geez, there's no way, right? There's I'll just no way. I'll be cheering hard for six. Plus seven hundred money line, I think, or six eighty or something like that. I'm not touching it, but yeah, oh. the, the world is cheering for St. Pete. Um, we'll see if they can lock it up. But who has been locking it up is actually me and Wilson's uh, championship pick, Arizona. They handle Wright State by 17, and then pulled out a close win against TCU. It didn't look great um, late in that game, but they're taking on a Houston team. Uh, Brett, what, what's your mindset about Arizona right now, and how do you see the outlook against Houston? This is actually also my uh, winner in my bracket. Um, did you guys see the – the ending. Well, you said you went to bed. Yeah. Did you also sleep? Was that a foul? I thought. I don't foul. like. So, so if you call that foul right there, um, game's over. Right. He's making a free throw. So Maybe. I don't like. I mean, he's probably making a free throw, shooting well, two free throws. Like, I don't like them calling the foul. But the problem is, so if anybody didn't see, it's the they pretty much Arizona trapped him right at the half court line. Uh, gave him a decent hip check. He flopped a little bit, right? Embellished the foul a little bit. Um, but he went back court. He went back court before he lost possession of the ball. So it needs to, I mean, technically, it needs to be a foul or a backcourt violation. However, I, I was very happy with the outcome. I feel like overtime is the most fair situation there. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you know? Arizona yeah. almost went down there and laid it up. Yeah. It was at like, what, point? Point of three or like oh one or something. Yeah. yeah, it was ridiculous. He almost got it off. But yeah, I mean that that was a great game. Houston, I think, is one of the underrated teams in this whole tournament, honestly. I mean, they've dominated yeah. the past couple rounds, and I think they're kind of going under the radar. I think it's gonna be a touch ma- tough matchup for Arizona. They're definitely gonna have to play better than they did against TCU, in my opinion. Yeah, so Houston, um, I so my bracket, I have Arizona as the champion. One of my bets for this podcast, I got five of them or four of them, is Houston plus 1.5. Houston is a great matchup for Arizona. Um, Houston takes care of the ball, they control the play pace, they get offensive boards. Um, Zona just relies on pure, they're young and they are talented, but they just rely on pure athleticism and firepower and I, I don't know. I mean, Houston's going to turn them up. Arizona, I think they had like nine turnovers or, or something. Or, yeah. No, they had, they had a lot of turnovers in that last game. Might have been nine in the first half. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I, I like Houston in this game. Um, I think they match up very well with Arizona. I like that pick. And um, I'll eat a little bit of crow because I, I know I was one on the previous podcast. I said I didn't expect a lot from Houston. UAB would not have surprised me. Um, I definitely didn't think that they would make it past Illinois. But, no, that's going to the Big Ten banter. Um, also <laughs> a little overrated. <laughs> but I digress there. Um, let's keep going down. Uh, Michigan. Michigan has surprised me more than any team in this damn tournament. Colorado State kind of had them where they wanted them at halftime and didn't really show much in the second half, and Tennessee did Tennessee shit. And now Michigan finds himself playing Villanova, who kind of hoping um, – I want Villanova to beat the hell out of them, but did Michigan and Jawan Howard, his whole, like, getting suspended towards end-of-the-year circumstance and so forth, they've really impressed me um, with what they've done so far. 
I, I completely agree. I, I mean, I was one of the people that didn't think Michigan should even be in the tournament, to be honest. I didn't think they were deserving of it. But um, like you said, Colorado State, they were a 15 that first half at one point. I was like, wow, this is going to be a runaway. Michigan definitely did not deserve to be in. And then they cut the lead in the second half or at halftime, and then they just took, took over in the second half. Like you said, Tennessee, who I thought was one of the hotter teams coming into this tournament, just laid an egg. Um so I don't this matchup against Villanova. Villanova is like that sneaky team that just they don't make a lot of mistakes. Colin Gillespie, like I said, it feels like he's been in the league or in the at Villanova for like 10 years. But I, I this is good, this is gonna be a good game, I think. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan pulled this one out too, honestly. I got um I got Nova locking it up, Nova minus five. Uh, let me throw a couple. Hunter Dickinson stats at you. He is six so in these first two games, 16 for 23 from the floor, three for six from three, and 13 for 15 from the free throw line. And so you're telling me Jay Wright, one of the best coaches in college basketball, has four days to stop one dude. Not to mention Villanova is the best free throw shooting team in the tournament and has one of the best three-point percentages in the tournament. However, Michigan is an excellent team at defending the three, but I don't know if they – I just don't think they got it against Nova. I think I think their time's come to the end, and we're going to see why they're a 11 seed here. Um, I, I got Nova covering this five easy. I think it's like a 10-12 point game. I like that. No, I, I, I like Villanova here too uh, to get it done. But then you definitely got to give Michigan his flowers in the process. But Villanova, like they played Delaware and, you know, it was between Delaware and uh, Wilson and I's uh, alma mater, UNC Wellington, to make it into the tournament. And we saw how bad Delaware was. Like, Wellington probably would have got yeah. smacked by, like, clapped by the same amount. It, oh, it yeah, for sure. uh, but they beat them by 20. Like, Villanova did what they were supposed to do. They beat Ohio State by 10, but they were really in control most of that game. You know, they, they did what they had to do. So uh, I'm definitely leaning Nova. Uh, five points. Dude, Michigan just kind of got a horseshoe up their butt right now. But, you know, if Villanova won by – if Villanova beats Michigan by more than they beat Ohio State by, and that was 10 points, I, I wouldn't be shocked one bit. Yeah, so it's hard to bet against a team that, one, takes care of the basketball, and two, shoots free throws at an uh, excellent – I mean, best in the tournament. So if they get any sort of re- lead, it's it's pretty much over for Michigan. You know, it's like your defense too. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I just think it's got to be Nova. Yep, I agree. Um, before we segue into our last uh, area of the bracket, uh, I want to take this time to thank Nalano Colts for Barbecue. Uh, speaking of UNC Wilmington, we had an alumni event this weekend, and Nalano Colts Barbecue catered the event. We had three different styles of pulled pork. Um, it was a hit. had a charcuterie board to go along with it, some pretzel bites and queso, um, craft beer. Everything was fantastic. Thank you, Waterman's Brewing Company in Wilmington, North Carolina, for hosting us. And thank you, Nalano Colts Barbecue, for uh, feeding all of us. All right, let's go ahead and drop down to the Midwest region. Uh, Kansas is still our one seed there. Uh, they handled Texas Southern. Uh, kind of tight game against Creighton, but they do what they had to do at the end. They're going up against Providence, and Providence has actually looked really damn good this tournament as well. Uh, Brett, what do you think Providence' chances are at taking down Kansas? Kansas is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, th- this Kansas team, you just never know. I mean, honestly, Providence, I thought they were going to – 
I didn't have them in this position. Thought they were going to lose to Iowa, I believe. Um, they get, after they got killed by Creighton in the uh, Big East tournament by like thirty or something like that. And so, yeah, like a fourth round, right? Yeah, yeah, they got abs- yeah, they got absolutely destroyed. And so, the one thing with Providence is I, I'm big, I like Ed Cooley, a big Ed Cooley guy. Um, they're very experienced team. Got a lot of juniors and seniors on that team. Kansas, the thing about Kansas is Remy Martin. Is, I, I said last podcast that came up to Remy Martin. Remy Martin balled out against Creighton. Um, Jawan Harris, their backup, or I think Dewan Harris, their backup, or actually their starter, he's kind of taken more of a little backseat because Remy Martin started to play good. He had a little injury earlier in the year that like silent from 12 games, but so if that takes off the pressure of Abaji, which I Abaji, then I think I think he's the difference maker in getting Kansas to the Final Four. So I, I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, like I said, Providence is playing well, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Kansas take this. Yeah, I have uh, – I got Providence plus 7.5. I don't know if they get it done at the end of the day, but – Kansas, you look, you check back through their schedule. They've kind of struggled with some really good defenses. They've struggled to to score a little bit. Not like you know every game, but I just think Providence is hot right now. You gotta take your hat off to to Cooley over there. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I I'm kind of like on on Providence for the same reason people are on Chapel Hill. They just kind of gotta. Well, not so much the chip on their shoulder. I don't know how much UNC has a chip on their shoulder, but they kind of got a chip on their shoulder and they're playing good ball right now, playing team basketball. So I think it's just a tight game. I think it goes down to the wire like most games this time of year. And 7.5 seems like a lot of points. Yeah, I think that's a lot of points too. I'd probably be on the Friars uh, in that aspect. But uh, you know who wasn't taking care of business? Uh, the LSU Tigers. Wilson tried to talk me off a ledge saying that LSU was going to wax Iowa State. Didn't happen. I am surprised Iowa State beat Wisconsin, though. I'm not going to go that far and take a bunch of credit. But them and Miami have really been, like, two solid teams that were flying under the radar and just getting the job done in the bottom of the bracket. Dude, I could not. That was my biggest whiff of this tournament, except for if you want to say, like, Iowa being in the Final Four Kentucky. But, wow, uh, Iowa State came out with a direct reason of proving me wrong about talking up LSU and talking down Iowa State. They look damn good. And I can't wait for this Iowa State-Miami game. It's a glory game. You know, this is just like the public's happy with whoever wins this. Everybody's going to be glad to see it. Uh, I think Miami gets the slight edge with their guard play. Their guards have just been good. Probably more – and Wong, not to mention McGusty, they've all been generating yeah. turnovers, hitting their jump shots. I mean, if they come out shooting like that, it's hard to beat them. They waxed Auburn. They kicked their ass. Yeah, and like literally. Up. Yep. Also, quick, didn't, didn't mention this earlier. Screw you, Walker Kessler, you punk. You want to leave the ACC just to get waxed by the ACC. Well, I had to, had to get that on the table real quick. It, it looked like it looked like during the middle of the year that Walker Kessler like made the best decision of his life, and then here we are, um, in March, and like I mean, they just got dominated, absolutely dominated. I I I'm, I'm shocked that Iowa State is here. I'm with Wilson. I I watched Iowa State a couple of times this year. They have looked absolutely terrible. 
I mean, so I, I was shocked to see them here. Miami, we saw flashes of Miami. They beat Duke this year. So we knew they had the potential, but. Beat Carolina by 20. Not that we knew Carolina was all that good at the time, but still. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just hot right now. And, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of shocked. I mean, just think, one of this one of these teams, Iowa State or Miami, is going to be in the lead eight. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It, that's crazy. And what I love about Miami, dude, like Wilson said, their guards, they turn you over. They get in your damn grill. They strap you up, and they take mm-hmm. that ball away. And that's, that was really the edge against USC, like – two-point game, and they, they got the bucket down the stretch, but their guards were so solid. And from tip to the final buzzer against Auburn, Auburn in the SEC got their ass kicked the whole time up and down the court the whole daggum game, like to use a Roy Williams uh, word right there, the <laughs> game. Like, the whole daggum game, that's right. Yeah, literally, if you talk to anyone, and I'm saying even us, not even just the, the SEC faithful – one SEC team is going to make it to the 316. Who's it going to be? Two percent may have said Arkansas, and those were probably all Arkansas fans. Yep, that's right. That's right. And they on I mean, they what they eked out a four and a five point victory over a 13 and a 12 seed, right? I mean, not to take anything away from Vermont and who was it, New Mexico State that they played, but yeah. Um yeah, what a tournament for the SEC. Oh, it makes me so happy. Yeah, no, it, it definitely uh, brings a smile to me. And, you know, and, and that's one thing that I'll admit, definitely anti-Duke and anti-Chapel uh, Hill, like, to the death. But when it, when it comes to tournament time, you root for the ACC. Yep, big facts. I, I, I can't root for Duke as long as – if they're doing better than us, you know. But, um, yeah. Big time ACC rooting. So, so is it true? Like, are the pack are the Big Twelve and the ACC the best two conferences in the country? I mean, they have the most. Te- they have three teams in the Sweet Sixteen each. Do we have to? I mean, I guess we have to wait and see. But right now, is that what it is? I don't know if you can go that far. I'm just saying three two. What's who has three? The Big Twelve. They have Texas Tech. Um, yeah, I said, are they like the best two, like Big Twelve and the ACC? I, I think you have to. I mean, look at every single year, it's the SEC, Big Ten. Oh my God! Especially the Big Ten. People just rave about the Big Ten every freaking year, and they always get bounced. Like like last year, Illinois. They were the number one seed. They got bounced by uh, Loyola Chicago in the second round. I mean, it's just it, I'm tired of the Big Ten. It's like you guys with the SEC slander. Yeah, all the all the people in the southeastern conference uh, down south. All I heard all season, and even before the tournament, especially, you measure yourself and how good your conference is by what you do in the tournament. And I swear to God, they got to eat that crow. That's hilarious. I completely agree. All right, and the, uh, the Pac-12 showed up this tournament as well. Yeah. They they um, they sometimes do too. Honestly, yeah. like we talk crap about them. Because nobody watches them. The Pac-12 got what three teams in? It was UCLA, Arizona, and they got uh USC was in it, and, and they USC. had another one too. That um, they, Did they get four, four? Pretty sure, yeah. Um, and USC, I mean, that was you know Miami had to play very well to win that game. Maybe they didn't get four. I'm looking at the bracket right now. Yeah, I think it was three. But they still have two out of their three teams in. I mean, 
they got less teams than the SEC in, and they have more teams standing. That's fantastic. Oh, Is there anything else you guys want to recap uh, before we hit the weekend? Uh, games kick off March 24th on Thursday, 7 o'clock. We got uh, Arkansas-Gonzaga. And then rounding out the night cap, it looks like Houston-Arizona will take us into the night. And then bumping to March 25th on Friday, kicking off at 7.09 on CBS with St. Peter's and Purdue. And then Iowa State and Miami, one of those Cinderella's will show us who's in the Elite Eight. Yeah, no, there's nothing else I want to hit, but I think we covered pretty much everything. Uh, I'm gonna, I got four bets this time. I got to get some sort of redemption after going two and five against the spread last time with a couple money lines that missed as well. But I like Nova minus five, Providence plus 7.5, UNC money line, and Houston plus 1.5. Um, hopefully, it'll be better than last time. Brett, you got anything for us? I just hope – I'm looking at it now. I'm hoping – I believe I'm correct, but we could see potentially how things play out. I know this is looking ahead, but wouldn't it be great to see a uh, Duke-Carolina matchup in the Final Four? That would be the, the first time in tournament history. Yeah, but it's never it, happened before. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, both teams have to get to the Final Four. I mean, UCL – North Carolina has to take care of UCLA and then either Purdue or St. Peter's, which I think is possible to be honest, the way they're playing. Duke would Who's have to more take... likely to make it to the Final Four? Is it Duke or Carolina? I think, honestly, Carolina. I think I mean, Carolina. Duke, Duke and Gonzaga. Duke took uh, Gonzaga earlier in, what, November, December. It was one of the earlier yeah. games of the year. They beat them. Uh, yeah, and they beat them. And, honestly, they match up well against uh, Gonzaga, to be honest. But – yeah, Duke. Duke really hasn't got much better since then, I don't think. But Gonzaga's not playing great ball either. I mean, they have to rely on Timmy a lot of the time. So they they are not playing great ball. Yeah, yeah. it's possible. So this year, one of the reasons it's so great is because none of these one seeds are like we've said this, but none of these one seeds are like, oh, this is the dominant team. Yeah. It's like, ooh, which even one seed can you say for sure will be in the final four if you got to pick one? I don't even know who I'm picking. Maybe Kansas. I, I guess Kansas just because that Iowa State Miami. Yeah, I probably, matchup, yeah. but I, I mean, I probably as well. Yeah, I'd probably be more comfortable with Kansas. I mean, Arizona, they almost were not here, and same with Gonzaga, they were almost not here. Yeah, I mean, Arizona's got to play Houston, brutal matchup. Villanova, tough matchup. I mean, then all the chalk in that Gonzaga region, you know. One, two, three, four still left. Like, they're not going to get an easy game from the, except for, you know, they probably beat Arkansas. But yeah, got some great basketball to be played the rest of the time. Looking forward to it. Get your naps in. Yeah, I can confidently say I could pick the Final Four and miss all of them right now because of how good these teams all are. I agree with that. Yeah, well, uh, let's plan on coming back for the listeners uh, for the Final Four matchup after everything shakes out this weekend. Uh, Wilson, thanks for joining us again. Now, I want Colts Barbecue. Thank you for everything you did this past weekend, feeding us all. And thank you for being a great sponsor of the show. And Brett, my man, of course, cannot do this without you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. And appreciate all of our listeners um, signing off here. But we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Enjoy the basketball.